Game of Life, we have the pleasure of talking to the first female president of Miami-Dade College, Madeline Pumariega, about success and teamwork in the game of life. Welcome to the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast. I'm Gail Nelson, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Miami, and I am pleased to have my dear friend and the President of Miami-Dade College, Madeline Pumaguera. Madeline, how are you today? So good, uh, my friend. So great to see you. This is going to be so much fun. I'm excited uh, to spend a little time with you and, and what a great friendship we have and what a gift the community has in you and your leadership as well. Well, I tell you what, speaking of leadership, let me just give everybody some context on when I talk about the incredible leader that you are. Uh, Madeline is the first female president to lead Miami-Dade College. That's over a span of 60 years. Five presidents, but 60 years. Uh, it's time. Uh, and not only that, you attended Miami-Dade College as a student athlete. We'll talk about that in a minute. Prior to becoming Miami-Dade College's president, Madeline was appointed the first female and Hispanic chancellor of the Florida College System, the FCS. In 2019, she became the executive vice president and provost of Tallahassee Community College. And also near and dear to our heart, Madeline also served as the president of Take Stock in Children, a statewide nonprofit focused on breaking the cycle of poverty and helping students complete their high school education and advance into post-secondary education and careers. President Pumaguera's love for academics and service excellence began as a student at Miami-Dade College. Talk about full circle. Now, first of all, you were a student athlete. What sport or sports did you play? Um, I was uh, part of the women's basketball team at Miami-Dade College. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I tell you what, as a, as a, for my love of basketball, something you always, in tryouts, you can't teach height. So you go out there and you're like, hey, uh, good stuff. What, so you played center or what position did you play? Center and strong forward. You know, in high school, I played center. I came to college to play center. Sometimes I did, but uh, sometimes we competed among some centers that had a couple of inches on me and immediately, you know, I had to shift over to strong forward a little under six feet. You think, you know, you're really tall in high school, but when you get to college, uh, it's a little bit of a different game. I was just out watching the girls, uh, the women's basketball team, and I thought, I said to Coach Summons, I am short uh, compared to some of the women on, on the team. Uh, they just uh, were competing for the uh, state championship and, and the, the conference championship. So I was there and uh, was with Coach Summons. You know, she was um, the coach when I was there. So I was part of her first win. And she just has 600 wins under her belt. And um, I was inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame for Florida activities. And she was the one who inducted me and nominated. So it was a real special moment to, like you say, come really full circle uh, to be back and, and to be on the court with uh, the coach who, you know, our, our first win was together uh, of her 600. Congratulations to both of you. And I tell you what, throughout this, this podcast, I will refer to you as Madam President uh, and of course, you, good, my friend. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's just such a, a powerful thing. And as last night, uh, I was at my daughter Alexis's uh, flag football game semifinal, and she got a pick six. Uh, and so, just seeing young ladies, student athletes, you know, just 
handle their business. I know in the WNBA, uh, they have this slogan, her time to play. And I just love it. I got, you know, four beautiful kids, three bodyguards, but only one little princess. Uh, and I just commend all the student athletes, all the young ladies taking care of business. So you are quite an example on and off the court. And that Hall of Fame was certainly well-deserved. You know, and I, I say that um, I'm, your princess is going to have some real bodyguards there and her brothers. But and I and I know your kids are involved in sports. I think that sports bring in the elements of leadership, team building, collaboration, looking at um, where there's the opportunity to leverage a strength, highlighting where there might be a weakness. And how do you, you know, in terms of strength in that as part of your team, so many of the principles I think I learned as a student athlete, you see it in your kids, they're learning it too, um, really comes into the boardroom and it comes into that leadership trajectory, those skills, so important. So I'm a a big fan of getting students engaged. And if it's athletics, it's great, but if not in other activities that really have them think about collaboration, think about leading, strategizing, those are future-proof skills that no matter where you're coming from, you need those skills. And by the way, I think mentors do an amazing job of helping young adults and, and young children also harness those kinds of skill sets. I absolutely love it. I love it. I think we got the Miami Day logo that's going to come in and, and hang out with us as well. So hold on a second. That's that's what I'm talking about. Let's just keep that logo right there. I love the branding. Uh, and so thank you, Karina. Uh, we'll just keep that logo right there. And so what I love about what you're just saying, Madeline, is it really speaks to uh, teamwork, collaboration, uh, and this incredible skills. Let me just talk about leadership for a minute because you're getting me hyped up. You're like Coach Madeline now. It's Madam President, <laughs> but it's also you're coaching me up and with my love of sport. But it is so true. And your illustrations were so, so uh, spot on. Uh, your leadership journey. Certainly, we now know about this being a student athlete. But tell us a little bit more about your leadership journey leading up to your presidency. You know, it started off at Miami-Dade College, where I think opportunity changes everything. Um, as a student. And then I went off to University of Central Florida, uh, came back to St. Thomas, and then went back actually to coach, um, be an assistant coach for uh, the women's basketball team. At the time, I was working at a bank full-time, coaching part-time, and I made a decision to leave the bank and um, go to work at the college as a part-time academic advisor and a part-time coach. Uh, my parents had a little bit of a, what are you doing? You're giving up a 401k to go do two part-time jobs at Miami-Dade College. At the time, it was community college. And I worked my way up. I spent 20 years at the college. I left as the president of the Wilson campus. And when I left after 20 years, I wanted um, to just do something different, to use my leadership to change lives um, in a different way, and I left uh, to lead Take Stock and Children, an organization that helps break the cycle of poverty through mentorship, scholarship, and hope, and um, I was absolutely loving that when I was asked by the governor to um, become the chancellor of the Florida college system, oversee the 28 state colleges, 800,000 students as the first female and Hispanic chancellor, as you mentioned in your introduction. And um, did that, joined the Governor DeSantis' transition team, and then decided 
uh, I was really missing being on a campus. Uh, family was still in Tallahassee and became the executive vice president at Tallahassee Community College and provost. And um, then decided to put my heart and my hat in the ring for the presidency at Miami-Dade College. And uh, the rest is history. On January 4th uh, of this year, I took helm and just uh, wrapping up my first 100 days and certainly thrilled and excited. It's been an excellent 100 day, first 100 days, and we couldn't be more thrilled as you saw when I posted on social media. Welcome, welcome home. And you are certainly at home, uh, Madam President. Uh, and so with that in mind, uh, and as you know, you mentioned Take Stock and Children, and it'll be a perfect opportunity for me to, to tell, share with you what you already know, that now Big Brothers Big Sisters Miami is a lead agency for Take Stock and Children, formerly Miami-Dade College. And I look so forward, we're going to talk about this, to partnering. You know the power of mentoring. You know the power of post-secondary investment and investing in the hope and the potential that all these children and these young people in Miami-Dade have. So we're going to put that on the shelf for just a minute and talk about what's impacted all of us, this pandemic. And I know that it's had this, this ripple effect and this in, incredible uh, impact, if you will, on not only elementary and secondary education, but what has been the impact of COVID-19 on post-secondary education, Madeline? I think a couple of, you know, the most obvious impact is, you know, shifting to remote working and learning and supporting our students. Um, the second, I think for some of the students that maybe graduated high school, not choosing to enter college after that. And we know the critical importance, especially with so many of our students that are first in their families to attend college, um, certainly, you know, come from lower income um, families who really need to be working while they study, which is the third aspect of it. So many of our students impacted by just their work schedules economically, um, in addition to the veil of the health impact of, of a pandemic. So what we're seeing nationally across community colleges are declines in enrollment, um, true for Miami-Dade College, as well, the fall saw double digits and decline in enrollment. And when we reached out to students, um, you know, two or three reasons emerged. One, those recent high school graduates not sure and uncertain about online and, and remote learning. Our, our working adults, which are so many of our students that we serve, needed to pick up hours at work wherever they came and however they came. And then third, just... Um, the impact to family and, and the, you know, the health aspect of it. But we're seeing that change already this spring term since January, we launched NDC Live and we're seeing that enrollment um, recover. The second aspect of it, so many of our students food and um, housing insecure. We've launched a series of uh, programs for emergency aid, our food pantries, and through Single Stop to help, the, help support students economically um, that felt that kind of impact. And then on the positive part, how it's impacted higher education is we've probably moved innovation in a much quicker way. We've adopted technology much quicker um, for anyone who thinks that higher ed moves slow or it's like, you know, having the Titanic do a U-turn. This pandemic has showed that especially community colleges and colleges like Miami-Dade can turn in a dime and be responsive to student and community needs. And that's a power of leadership as well. I mean, you'll, 
when leaders fail to listen, they fail to lead. And so as you listen and as you stay in tune with the challenges, uh, the pivot is, is clear. And I commend you uh, and your team for what you all are doing. Uh, and speaking about just not only the pandemic, there's so much taking place. I mean, yesterday, I mean, the world held its collective breath as a one legal case. Uh, and I won't mention, I won't go into the details of that, but the bottom line is social justice. And the reason I do what I do every single day is to build mutual trust and respect through mentoring relationships. Regardless of someone's background or anything else, uh, we can be humane. We may differ on what we believe, but we can treat each other with respect. So as the world focuses on so much in the realm of social justice, what are some specific things that Miami Dade College under your leadership is doing in the social justice arena, Madeline? You know, Gail, it's um, certainly, you know, we can breathe again after um, yesterday and, and just um, what happened there and, and seeing uh, justice occur. You know, I say that we have to go beyond the talking and we have to act. One of the things that I'm incredibly proud of with our provost, Dr. Malou Harrison, is within the first 30 days of our leadership, we invested a million dollars in the Rising Black Scholars Initiative. And it's an initiative that will, that will provide students graduating from uh, Miami-Dade County Public Schools, class of 2021, an opportunity for free tuition, mentorship, and leadership at the college. I think that, that there's various ways that the college um, certainly prioritizes equity and inclusion and respecting our diversity and seeing our diversity really be a strength of our community, but we have to invest in young people. The reality is, is that we can put young people, young black adults into pathways towards prosperity. And the way that you do it, it doesn't have to be a four-year traditional university pathway, but Gail, we know that students that do not level up after high school, we find them a year later in minimum wage in poverty. And part of this is breaking that cycle of poverty through opportunity, through access and through support. And that's the kind of work that we're doing with the Rising Black Scholars, in addition to our Brother to Brother Mentoring Initiative uh, program, and the way that we are reimagining our student experience to have much more in-demand support. And then I will say to you that, you know, last summer, as the Black Lives Movement really took hold, and we saw so many young people hurting and out in the streets wanting to be heard, I couldn't think but imagine most of our colleges and universities were in a remote environment. And that in our classroom, that is the place where we do have varying of opinions, but they happen, that dialogue happens in a respectful way. Our faculty facilitate those conversations because our classes, our classrooms are melting pots of diversity. Everyone comes at their work as a student through the lens of their real life, right? And so I think that our classrooms um, in, in our colleges and universities across the country, and I know at Miami-Dade, also are catalysts for helping have that dialogue of our differences and highlighting that what um, really we're more united than uh, we are on different parts. All of 
everybody wants to have a sense of belonging, wants to have a sense of respect and dignity, and wants to have access and opportunity to the American dream to provide for their families. And so I think um, we serve as a catalyst for that. There's so much more work to be done um, in that arena. And so when we look, we look at um, educational outcomes and we see the gaps. They begin as early as kindergarten. They begin as early as really early learning, right? Third grade, fifth grade, eighth grade. Our programs together take stock and children, big brothers, big sisters, the mentoring to create that college readiness culture, um, getting that access point. And then really the reform around social justice. And I'm proud of the work that our Miami-Dade College North Campus does with our Public Safety Institute that serves um, as a place where so much professional training and development does to uh, public safety and police officers uh, throughout our county. We are here on the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast with the incredible president, Madam President, Madeline Pumaguera, Miami-Dade College. And as a Black man, I just want to commend you uh, for your incredible intentionality on just making sure that social justice is not an initiative. It's not just a program. It's threaded uh, based on what you have said and certainly knowing you and your passion for this community, your passion for diversity, and seeing our kids, this wonderful, beautiful uh, South Florida area, just truly embrace diversity and to continue to help these uh, young people succeed in life. So I commend you for all of that. You mentioned mentoring a few times. I know mentoring is close to your heart uh, and you can't help it. It just, it just, it just oozes out. And so let's talk about someone, whoever that you have had, you've had many mentors. I know that as we all have. And that's why we are so dedicated on making sure that every child who wants and needs a mentor gets one. Tell us about uh, a mentor who impacted your life and what she or he taught you. You know, I have to start with my mom. She was a, a you know, an, an educator, a teacher. She came from Cuba, uh, went to work in factories in Hialeah, went back to school, got her degree in the United States. I can't even imagine being in my 20s, uh, being in a different country, not knowing the language, but having the dedication that she knew her life's work was to be a teacher. And watching there firsthand, her balance, us, um, as, as a family, but her devotion to the children in her class and being up late at night, helping her check papers and put stickers of good job. And I think that that taught me so much about the way that um, the difference that we make and the difference that teaching does at all levels and in any levels and hard work and perseverance and persistence uh, to her recent passing in October. Uh, she mentored me every day uh, through every, every process. So I would say there, you know, on the, on my mom, and I could say that about my dad on the business aspect of, of being in, in banking, my parents divorced at an early age, but um, both served in different ways as mentors. And then being growing up in athletics, your coaches end up being your mentors. At some level, you have your informal and formal mentors. And I want to say that because I think a lot is paid to the pressure of having a formal mentor. And I want to say to everyone listening, you can have a series of informal mentors, 
I always think that having a board of directors for yourself is really important. Have that cheerleader. Who's that mentor or that person that cheers you on and tells you stick with it, you can do it. Um, who's that mentor or person in your tribe that's your coach? Thinking about strategy, thinking about the next move, your opponent. How do you move through, um, you know, collect and have a win-win mindset? You know, how's, who's your mentoring in terms of your, I call that person the accountant, your, your profit and loss statement. What's your strengths and why do you leverage those? And how do you make sure somebody calls out the blind spots that can be a liability where you can be a, a, a you know, a lifelong learner and strengthen uh, those areas up? And then, you know, how do you have a communications person? Who's your PR one that just amplifies your voice? And then I say to myself, how can I be that for someone else in those kinds of roles? Um, I've always looked, you know, um, upon leaders that, that are servant leaders as, as mentors, um, folks that do the work um, and oftentimes aren't recognized for it. No one would ever know, but they go about because their values in their personal lives align to their values and their professional lives. There aren't two people um, in conflict there. There's one, it's that value set. I think that's, I've always looked um, toward to, you know, and look forward uh, to, to those kinds of individuals for insights. So I would, you know, it's hard because if I start to call out people, there have been so many uh, during different times, um, in, in my life, you know, when I left to take stock, certainly, you know, reporting to a board, looking at board members, um, you know, for that kind of uh, mentorship, but, you know, no secret, I follow Dr. Eduardo Padron, where I spent 20 years working alongside with him, a mentor to so many in our community. And then at TCC, Jim Murdoch, uh, president, boy, what a servant heart, uh, the importance of the questions we ask as leaders and the important questions that we can ask um, that really can advance our agenda forward and our collective impact. Uh, but I agree with you, Gail. I think that mentoring is so critical at every stage of our life, uh, both informal and formal. And the way you weave, it, it's it, you're my sister from another mother. And I, you just confirm it every time we talk and spend time together. The way you weave the business, the sports, uh, and just the education into your your feedback because it is it just really reinforces uh, and and I use I use the same game plan when I talk to staff and students the next move beat them to the spot we look at the blind spots read and react and so listening to you I'm I, I you know what I need to go run some laps after this <laughs> podcast because you you got me just too hype uh, sis but it's you're spot on and I, I know mentoring's in your game plan. And as we move forward, as we come out of this, uh, you know, this fog we've all been in where we've had to pivot out of necessity, we've had to find efficiencies, which you have done with Miami-Dade College, and I've certainly had to do here at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and with our incredible continuing education team with Take Stock and Children as well. Uh, what, does part, what does our partnership look like as we prepare for summer and head to the fall, Madeline? Because I know, I don't even have to ask that mentorship's in your game plan. You talked about the incredible programs you have uh, now, but specifically as it relates to our partnership, the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Take Stock in Children, and Miami-Dade College. What does that look like? 
So I would say a couple of a couple of areas come right to mind. One, the you know the littles in your program, as well as the scholars and take stock and children, they're the ones we've got to create that early college going culture, that early college readiness, knowing that look when we think about tech, let's just take tech in Miami right now. They need to know they have a space in the, in the, in a place in there, and getting them those early college opportunities. Um, through not only our students mentoring, but having them come onto campus and be part of, again, early college institutes. I think that's one that it's a marriage. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't be doing it at scale and be a national model for it. Um, second, how do we get our employees? There's no better way of employee satisfaction and engagement when we're all doing something collectively. How do we make sure that we get access for our own employees to mentor in mentoring programs in our community. Um, because I always look, I've mentored and I think that what you get out of it is so much more than what you ever put into it. The, you know, of all of the thanks and congratulations that I got after I was appointed as president, you know, the ones that meant the most, they came from students. Students who I had mentored in my trajectory of 20 years at Miami-Dade College, take stock in children's scholars that had said, you took the time to have dinner with me. You gave me that positive word. So I always think it, it's, it gives me so much more um, than I ever put in. So I think, you know, creating that kind of collective impact and then, you know, building a coalition when we talk about equity in my hundred day plan to the board, I just shared, you know, living our values of equity and how do we unite together um, as a coalition to ensure that we continue um, to be data driven and be strategic on how we close every equity gap that exists, that we just don't move the needle but that we close it. When we see it, we find it, we strategize, we leverage our collective resources, we go after more resources and partnership and close it. And I think that that's the way that um, as leaders, we will drive purposefully and intentionally the mission of both our organizations. Um, and that's that to me is just a few ways that I think we, we can partner. Well, game on, uh, you know, uh, I'm all in and I look forward to our respective teams uh, with, with our with both of us at the table uh, getting together and really making that happen because that's that's powerful and so many uh, little so many take stock scholars will benefit from your leadership benefit from this partnership as well and speaking of benefit my last question and I just appreciate you always taking time out uh, to spend a little time with uh, with your brother. A hundred percent. We've been at this work for a long time. You know, it's pretty that you're the CEO there and I'm the CEO here, but we didn't start as CEOs. Uh, we were in the trenches together, loved and respected each other then and love and respect, respect and admire each other now. Right. And so that's the great thing of, of having a brother in this work. Uh, it's that it didn't start overnight. It's uh, been decades of, of the work in the community together. So I am so very proud of you, my brother, for what you're doing and was ecstatic when I saw you uh, take the presidency at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Very humbling, uh, humble beginnings. And as you told your story, uh, and my parents divorced when I was very young, I was two years old. 
I learned the business acumen from my dad, who wasn't in the home. Uh, the hard work. My mother worked two jobs. Does that sound like somebody you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as you tell your story, I'm thinking it is you know mirror image almost of of my story as well. Humble beginnings in inner city Toledo, Ohio. And as we close, Madeline, as you think about just your trajectory, your journey of leadership, education. You're a powerful woman, a community leader. There may be a little girl out there that's listening to this or any young person for that matter, but so many have been told or made to feel as if they don't belong in this job, that job. What is your message to the young people out there? No, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if you don't see it, you can't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you can't dream it. You're seeing it. You know, if you're watching this podcast, you're seeing it. Here are two leaders, male and female, both of color, um, both from humble beginnings that rolled up their sleeves and worked hard. Uh, you don't need a position or a title to lead. You need the heart of a servant leader. And each one of us has it. And we, each one of us has a light. Make sure that you surround yourself with people that charge up that light. Um, if we all shine brighter, we're all stronger together. Know that um, there is a place for you to dream it. Um, it's not enough to dream it. You got to work it. You got to work hard. You got to have a plan. You got to find that support service and support people around you. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for mentorship. Um, you can do it. And we believe in you. And we actually need you to believe in you. Um, and to every little girl out there, you are pretty enough. You're smart enough. You're good enough. And you belong today. You don't have to go walk a journey of not feeling enough. Know that you're enough and that you matter and that you make a difference. And there's people every day that are helping make a difference in your life. Well, ladies and gentlemen, coach, president, Madeline Pumagera. All I can say to that is amen, sister. That is spot on. Uh, we're here on the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. Madeline, I appreciate you taking the time today, sis. And I look forward to uh, seeing these kids win and succeed in the Game of Life. Thank you so much, my brother. Keep up the great work and Godspeed to you. Same to you, my sister. This is the Game of Life. Hey.